You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. The investigation into the Gilgo Beach murders in New York continues as officials build their case against the suspected serial killer Rex Hauerman. That is our True Crime Tuesday topic. This has been in the news since the bodies began appearing back in 2010. And because they were prostitutes, no one put a lot of effort into it. At least it felt like there wasn't a lot of effort into it. I'm sure the investigators on the case would disagree with me. But there wasn't a lot of pressure. It wasn't uh, the highest profile murder investigation in New York and Long Island specifically. But over the years, since 2010, the bodies continued to pile up. Now, They've always said that they don't believe that they are all connected. The first girls uh, were found wrapped in burlap, the same kind of MO, the same kind of area. And then as the years went on, some other bodies were found further down the beach there. And we don't know if it just became a body dumping ground or what. But they are looking into Rex Harriman when it comes to the others as well. The, so he was an architect at an office in New York. Uh, his arrest came a year, more than a year after this task force was put together and looked into his possible connection to the cold case that was named for the beach where the remains were discovered, the Gilgo Beach serial killer. Um, he has pleaded not guilty, still in custody, is prime suspect in the fourth murder, although not technically charged. The belief is that they have at least connected him to that fourth body through DNA as well. When asked if there were more victims, law enforcement said, I think in the coming days, as we continue to gather evidence, anything is possible. Um, we talked earlier, we talked yesterday specifically about how they were able to get this together. When they put together this multi-jurisdictional task force in early 22, um, three days after this specific law enforcement officer took over the role of deputy commissioner, it includes investigators from uh, Suffolk County Police, New York State Police, the Sheriff's Department, the DA's office, the FBI was involved and said uh, the detectives in this case, they never quit. The case was broken open. In part, thanks to cell phone data, credit card bills, and DNA testing. The cell phone data, because it put him in the location of the murders. Uh, credit card bills, because it, it also put him in the location of, of where they were. And then DNA testing. They got a sample of Rex Hureman's DNA from a leftover pizza crust in a pizza box that he had thrown in the trash. Was pizza the same food that they got Joseph D'Angelo, the Golden State Killer? I know it was a familial DNA hit for him, as well as, I believe, was it the Grim Sleeper? I know pizza was definitely connected to another one of these serial killers uh, where they used a familial hit. Um, but it's, it's crazy what they're finding out about this guy. Um, the things that he searched for. As soon as he was arrested, they say that he said, is it in the news? He wanted to know if it was in the news. I mean, this has been a story that's garnered a lot of headlines throughout 
the years. And also of note, remember, this guy's married and he's got two kids and living this double life like we've seen in other cases as well. And it turns out travel records show his wife was out of town every time one of these four girls was murdered or declared missing or what have you. We're learning about things he started searching for. You mentioned the task force was formed in February of last year. That's when things started to pick up on his computer and his footprint, um, asking things like uh, Long Island serial killer phone records. Uh, why haven't they connected the phone to the Long Island serial killer? All of these things. And like you mentioned, cell phone data was one of the things that got him. They got a ping in Midtown Manhattan where he worked that matched one of the phones of the victims. They also had pings at towers there near the bodies, the body dumping grounds on Long Island. We also know now that he searched for images of his victims' families, including their children. He was combing the internet for pictures of these families and then trying to locate them. Well, here's the thing. He may have been calling some of them. He was. He okay. was calling at least one of the sisters of one of the victims and telling her that I raped her before I killed her. That's me, sorry. She says that she got those calls shortly after her sister's body was found. Yeah, a, a, a Dr. Carol Lieberman, uh, a longtime forensic psychiatrist, explained that because this guy, because of what's wrong with this guy, serial sexual sadist, he wasn't simply satisfied by the killing uh, or or the torturing of the victims if he did that, um, but that he needed to taunt the families with calls to gloat about having killed their loved ones in order to inflict pain on them that gave him a secondary rise out of it, that he was getting that sure. sexualized feeling over the domination of not just the women that he was killing, but their families also. We saw that with the Golden State Killer. Right. Of him calling his victims long after he terrorized them, tied them up, raped them, told their husbands not to move or else he'd kill everybody. Um, now, uh, they, they had a sense of urgency with this because it turns out this guy had a significant stockpile of weapons at the home. He had something like 96 registered weapons. And he was also continuing to search for vile things online. And they decided that they would have to, and he was trying to contact other prostitutes. So they decided to move on him when they did because they were worried he might kill somebody else, that maybe he would escape their surveillance and kill someone else. Would he you, had a fake Tinder profile as well. Why would you have that? Because he's meeting prostitutes. But why would he? Well, I guess it, I, I, I'm surprised that it was fake. I mean. Well, did you see what he looks like? <laughs> well, that that's part what of I it, think yes. it was. It was uh, it was fake pictures. It wasn't necessarily he was trying to hide it from his family because he was clearly capable of hiding it from his family. It appears they have now uh, moved their investigation. This is a guy who had homes in Vegas as well as South Carolina. They have uh, the FBI agents have recovered his older Chevy Avalanche truck. They believe that could be a potential key piece of evidence in the case. They've been back at his home in Massapequa, Long Island, searching storage units in Amityville, a couple miles away. Boxes and boxes being taken out. We told you that they they confiscated a cooler from the home as well. Yeah, that's never 
That's never good news. We are talking about the serial killer on Long Island when the bodies first started turning up in December of 2010 and kind of didn't stop. They've discovered more than 10 sets of human remains along ocean property near Gilgo Beach there. And they believe at least four were the victims of this Manhattan architect, married father of two, Rex Howerman. Most of the victims, petite female prostitutes, green, hazel eyes. There were two noteworthy exceptions along the beach further down, a two-year-old girl and a young Asian man. But in terms of these four that they're pinning on this guy, what do we know about them? Yeah, uh, one of the first ones was Melissa Bartholomew, 24 years old. She was a, a sex worker. Now, again, it's a very cleansed term. Um, escort is another one that was used by, uh, by the New York times to describe these women, uh, that these women were disappearing during their escort appointments. That's the term that they used. Um, she lived in the union port section of the Bronx. She talked about one day opening a beauty salon of her own. She had advertised on something called adult friend finder and other sites under the aliases, Chloe and very sexy Chloe. She had a couple of tattoos, the words blaze and focus. She was known to meet clients at bars and restaurants and hotels on the west side of Manhattan. This and is not uh, un this is not a different time than when that madam was operating in New York. Remember the one that embroiled uh, Elliot Spitzer, was it? Oh yeah. This is all around the same time, 2009-ish, I want to say. So like it was a thing. It was like it wasn't just like the prostitute you think of. It, it was kind of like this uh Way to make money for young women at the time. This was going on in New York pretty regularly. On the last night that she was found, or last night that she was alive, that they know, she had told a friend she was going to see a man. She'd be back in the morning. And her cell phone records showed that she had traveled from the Bronx to Manhattan, likely by taxi. Now, her mom had not heard from her, been able to contact her for a few days. So she reported her missing in January or July of 2009. And the investigation showed that her cell phone pinged in Manhattan, in Freeport, Massapequa, and Lindenhurst. This was the one whose younger sister started getting a string of taunting phone calls from someone using the sister's phone. And these calls were believed to have come from that killer. They were made from the area near Penn Station. And then it was just six months later that her skeletal remains were found there near Gilgo Beach. And she was the first one to be found, but she was believed that she was the, in fact, second victim, at least chronologically. Um, Maureen Brainerd Barnes was 25 years old. She was living in Norwich, Connecticut. She went missing after she took an Amtrak train from New London, Connecticut to Grand Central Terminal in Manhattan back on July 6th of 2007. Yes, she was working as a prostitute. She had advertised on Craigslist and Backpage using fake names. She would go to uh, work. She would travel to Manhattan for a few days to work as an escort, then go back to Connecticut. And she would stay at a bunch of different motels and hotels there in Midtown Manhattan. Um, she traveled with uh, a friend the weekend that she went missing, but her friend returned home and uh, Maureen stayed behind. She was last heard from July 9th. She had called another friend in Connecticut. And although she was known to work out a motel room, she said that night she was going to meet someone on an out call. They Assuming. believe that she was the first one killed. Yeah. 
Um, then there was Amber Lynn Costello, 27 years old. She was a prostitute supporting a drug addiction. Lived in West Babylon, New York at a home with a woman and two men. She also advertised on Craigslist and Backpage to support her and her friend's drug habits. Um, she moved to New York from Florida, had actually completed a 28-day drug rehab, but then relapsed not long before her disappearance. Uh, she and her housemates shared a cell phone. The other female roommate was also a prostitute. They would arrange dates. The men who lived there would arrange dates with clients for the women. She would do in-calls at her home as well as out-calls. September 12th, 2010, she was last seen leaving her home. She did not have her cell phone with her at the time, and she was technically never reported missing this was the one where the male roommates would run the scam that once the 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 john had paid the money but before any sex happens they one of the guys would pose as the angry boyfriend who comes in the room and says, what are you doing here and and runs him out of the house that way they get the money and they don't have to do the sex or what have you he i think one of these guys was somebody who saw the vehicle saw the vehicle the uh avalanche the, the chevy, chevy avalanche, avalanche yeah. and but never reported that to cops because i don't know it's just a you know a heroin addict prostitute uh, and one of the sad ones, I mean, they're all sad, but to add a, a layer to it, uh, Megan Waterman, 22-year-old mom, was last seen June 6, 2010. She lived in Maine, but was earning a living as an escort. Um, she would travel to uh, New York on a Cron Concord Trailways bus, and she may have been accompanied by her pimp. She was staying at a Holiday Inn Express in uh, New York, left the hotel early in the morning, June 6th, to meet a client. Later called her pimp, who was in Brooklyn, saying that she was going to go to a convenience store near the hotel. She was reported missing to police in Maine two days after that. The family member said it was very unlike her to not at least call to check in on her three-year-old daughter at the time. And her body was found several months later, December of 2010, on the north side of Ocean Parkway near Gilgo Beach, believed to have been the third victim. Uh, the pimp was arrested on unrelated federal charges of interstate trafficking of prostitutes and was sentenced to three years in prison. And then there's a bunch of others. And like we said, it, it's believed that there could be, but it's not, um, it hasn't been proven yet, the other bodies that were found, all of these, you know, uh, 10 total bodies that were found along Gilgo Beach. They could be connected to this guy, but they don't have the DNA evidence that ties him uh, like it does in those original four uh, cases. Hey, you know, if you uh, if you fall on some hard times yeah. and uh, you're, you know, maybe you get fired from here, yeah. um, you find yourself uh, looking for cash, looking for cash, you give me a call, okay? I don't you want to hire you. me for my services. No, you're going oh, to just pay me to I not do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't want you to put yourself in harm's way or sell your body to the night. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. 
They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.